Okay, hello and welcome to Working for the Word. I'm Andrew and you're listening to the podcast where we look at what goes on in the background of a translation project, specifically the world of Bible translation. And this is a world that can sometimes be complex and confusing and it's constantly changing. And today we have a very special guest who is going to tell us a little bit about language learning because in translation, as you know, one of the basic things for people who go into translation is learning another language. It might be a trade language, a bridge language, a language that's never been written before or translated before, you name it. So the language learning process is super important, and we want to talk about that today. So I want to welcome Lucas Ardelian, and uh, he's talking to us today from Switzerland. So welcome, Lucas. Thank you very much, Andrew, for having me today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little background. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Canada. I'm not uh, native to Switzerland, as you might tell from my accent. Um, <laughs> and my father was uh, a refugee from Yugoslavia. And mm. so his first language was Romanian growing up. Mm. And uh, so growing up in Canada, I had a lot of friends that were, were Romanian or Serbian. And mm. um, I had a lot of exposure to foreign languages as a kid that ended up giving me a real interest in foreign language learning. And mm. so I studied uh, French and German in elementary school and high school. And then later on, I studied classical Greek, Arabic, Hebrew, and Farsi, and uh, just dabbled in wow. some different things along the way. Things wow. that uh, whenever I had an interest or had friends that spoke that language, I would do what I could to learn some of that. Yeah. Language. And so, yeah. This is why I wanted to have you on the show because <laughs> you are definitely a more experienced language learner and probably better at it than I am. So it's great to have you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Well, um, with my interest in, in language, I started getting involved in working with refugees in North America. And so I began teaching English to refugees. And mm. this was a great way to not only practice their languages like Farsi or Arabic, uh, but also to provide a useful skill mm -hmm. uh, for them as they were seeking to learn about Canadian culture yeah. and to be able to adapt and to be able to do life in the country. So it was a practical way of using my own interests and in language to be able to serve a very needy community in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And so tell us a little bit about your family as well currently. I am married, been married about a decade now, and I have four young children, age six and under. Awesome. And, uh, and they, like myself, uh, have been encouraged to learn many languages as well. And so hmm. this would be a, a great opportunity to say this would be a, a helpful conversation to have in the future about language acquisition for children. Uh, my yeah, kids absolutely. speak uh, Turkish and German and English, hmm. and, um, and I'm teaching them Hebrew right now as well. Awesome. And so, and so <laughs> yeah, we enjoy language as a family, and it's been very much part of our family culture. Okay, sweet. So uh, my experience, just to to introduce a little bit of my experience with language learning was pretty rough. I had what uh, we call in language school, second language acquisition. I had a course on that and talk a lot about different methods for making that work. And 
I went into learn a Bantu language in Equatorial Guinea, which is a tonal language and it has noun classes and uh, there was not really any helpful grammars or things to take the edge off of learning it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I found myself in the midst of a kind of a chaotic situation where there were two different dialects of it being spoken within the city where I was. So it's kind of like being in a city where half of the population speaks American English and the other half speaks British English. And you're trying to learn how to pronounce things, but then one person says it one way, the other person says it another way. And you, you can't even tell if they're the same word half the time. <laughs> and of course, they navigate that like we navigate as, as native English speakers just fine. But for someone who's new, it's really hard because you don't have anything to grasp onto, like solid ground. That besides the encroaching of Spanish on their on their culture and language was really getting a lot of speed. And so more people were speaking a lot of Spanish and defaulting to that more than their language. So it made it also harder to, to find people who, who spoke their language well, actually. That was a kind of a perfect storm for me. So tell us a little bit about some of your experiences and, and some things you've learned along the way. Yeah, absolutely. You have experienced many things that I also have. I, in uh, 2016, moved to Turkey to teach English. And so I, for the first time, was put in a situation where I actually didn't know any Turkish, but was pretty confident that I would be able to handle it and, mm -hmm. and learning it through immersion. And my approach was to first learn the language before getting involved in, in teaching full-time. Yeah. And uh, in order to have the amount of time necessary and required to actually make pretty good progress in the language. And, mm -hmm. uh, and to feel at home as well. And to learn language and culture before engaging with students from this context. Yeah. And, um, and so I went with this uh, small educational company and... I really didn't have a lot of preparation before going. And yeah. that led to a lot of different challenges along the way. Hmm. And so my first experience was using a program called GPA, or the Growing Participatory Approach right. to Learning a Language. It's very and, popular. Uh, it is very popular, put together by Greg Thompson, I believe. Mm -hmm. and, and up to this point, I had not used a method like this before. So most of my mm -hmm. experience was very classroom-based uh, or uh, app-based. Mm -hmm. And so I really didn't have an experience or had not had an experience in working with a language coach before mm. or somebody in this, like, in this context. And so yeah. I, ended up, I ended up getting really frustrated in the first probably six or so months of using this method for, for various reasons. So... One of the things that frustrated me was that I was using a tool that I actually didn't know how to use. And so, you know, if you're talking to any kind of carpenter or welder, uh, that, that can put you in a dangerous place. And it, and it definitely put me in a place where I became really frustrated because I didn't know how to effectively use the tools that I had. And then mm -hmm. on top of that, I had a teacher who was not trained to te use this method in teaching either. And so oh, he no. went about it pretty haphazardly as well. And then I had a, a language coach that was also, that was, it ended up being difficult to work with. And so it was kind of this storm of nothing really going well. Mm. And then the con the content of GPA was, was 
frustrating in that it begins with teaching a lot of vocabulary that you don't necessarily use. I see. And、um, and so what I needed to do was go out and buy groceries, and、Mm-mm. the methodology in this curriculum teaches you things like hoof and tail or horn. <laughs> Which is really not helpful vocabulary when you're trying to go like buy bread or meat, and、yeah. so that became very frustrating. Yeah. So backing up a little bit, can you tell our listeners what, what's the main thing about the GPA method that makes it different from other other learning approaches? The distinguishing feature of the GPA approach is that the concept is that you are put in a setting where you learn like a child. Okay. And so that means that you often, or you do, begin with learning very basic vocabulary. You begin by simply listening for a series of of hours of lessons, and not、mm-hmm. using any any speaking. And、mm-hmm. over time, then you learn to speak. And so the the philosophy behind it is very much based on the way that children learn languages. And so. Uh, mm-hmm. There is some conflicting information today as to whether that is true or not. Whether adults can use this method to learn, and so I think it can be used effectively, especially when you、sure. know how to use it. It, it. I think it can be very effective. But that that was not the situation、mm-hmm. that I found myself in. And so you you work with a nurturer who is an, a native speaker of the language,、mm-hmm. and then you also have a coach, somebody who often speaks your language but is Trained in using this methodology, and so they'll often、mm-hmm. work with the nurturer,、uh, who sometimes has training. In my case, had no training, and、uh, and works with you in order to develop a plan. and And so,、yeah. the the coach is really is supposed to take a pretty unique role in being there for you and 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 equipping you for this task. And so, sure.、Uh, so it's a very、sure. two two pronged approach with two different individuals、uh, being there to help you learn. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that would have been super helpful for me, and I didn't have any access to to having a coach. I think that idea really is a game changer, especially if you're all alone trying to do this and and you don't have anywhere to turn. I think that would have been one of the keys to my success in in learning Fang in Equatorial Guinea is if I had had somebody like that in my life, but. That unfortunately was not possible, and I had actually not done much with the GPA method. There was no one actually promoting that in my area. I think I studied it because you know, at Canada Institute of Linguistics, in the course that we did, you know, you you study all of these different methods. You have to read about all the the different science behind each one, and I'm sure that we probably at some point had an assignment where we had to try that one out and. And everything, but sometimes you're you're taking this course, and <laughs> there's so many options, and <laughs> yeah, there really are, there really are. It's hard to remember and keep everything straight. So, yeah, go ahead and tell us more about what was a turning point for you in the the whole process. Yeah, so I was at a point where I was really discouraged, and I felt like the language input that I had wasn't appropriate. I didn't know how to use the resources that. The GPA created,、mm-hmm. and and I, you know, pretty early on in the language, I really didn't have a lot of time in the language either. And all all three of these things, I'm going to refer to maybe as the language learner's triangle, which is time in the language, comprehensible input, and mo- and motivation. And so、mm. the way I didn't know this at the time,、uh, but in hindsight, I'm able to 
see all these different aspects in my experience. And so the, I really turned the corner when I had a, a conference with language coaches for the first time. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that, was, that was the turning point. And I learned a lot about how to use a particular tool. And I ended up getting a coach that was really effective in helping us learn the language. So the steps essentially would be, uh, I got another coach and the coach taught me how to make the most of uh, my language time and to create language learning plans. And that was, a, that was a significant game changer in working with the tutor. And so I, I ceased doing GPA and used that same tutor to simply uh, do my own language learning lessons with. And, mm. and that was really helpful in, uh, in actually designing the, the lesson plan and that month's plan to learn what I needed to learn in order to survive. And cool. so that was, that was a significant game changer. Mm. Um, and then I kind of scattered that uh, with uh, formal language, Im- immersion-style language classes with the school called Tömer in, uh, in Turkey. And mm-hmm. it's through uh, Ankara uh, University. And, okay. um, and so this immersion-style approach was also really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in, in approaching the language. There's a couple more things yeah. that I could add, I suppose. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for me, one of the difficult things was I found myself in a place where I didn't need the language to survive. And I think that was uh, one of the things that killed my, my whole language learning process <laughs> because cause I, I, I already was fluent in Spanish. I'd grown up in Mexico and and I was in a place where you know, that was the trade language. And, and if you spoke Spanish, you could do anything and talk to anyone, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was that prominent already. So one of the other motivations would be that if you don't learn the language, no one is ever going to hear the gospel, right? <laughs> and Right. That's a significant motivation for a missionary. Right. And that motivation wasn't there for me because I didn't have... I wasn't in a country where the gospel was totally unknown and uh, there were already lots of churches all over of different, different kinds. And uh, people had access to the Bible in Spanish to a large degree. And yeah. And so that motivation wasn't there. And then the other motivation that really makes people learn a language is they fall in love with someone who speaks that language. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. (laughs) And that wasn't happening either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think when when money is ex- at stake too, that's also a big deal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For a job or something like that. Yeah. Yes, I I think I'd like to go back to how I turned the corner in my experience in studying okay. Turkish and immersion. Let's do that. And uh, and so I want to just highlight some of those things because these are really key things that any language learner can apply. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, I think it's really helpful, maybe helpful to some of your audience members who are interested in learning a second language or, or doing that already. That's great. And, yeah. and so some of those things that changed were that I, I got a language coach and I think I mentioned that, but this mm-hmm. coach taught me how to create my own lessons, lesson plans as I met with a tutor and mm-hmm. attending the class, like I said, was also extremely helpful. But mm-hmm. one of the key things that I learned how to how to employ was how to use 
native speakers to learn and practice a language. So outside、mm. of the classroom setting, outside of a paid tutor time, how do I engage another native speaker in such a way that's useful for learning the language? And so、yeah. um, I started to create kind of my own exercises. And、uh, so before going somewhere, I think about okay, what kind of vocabulary do I need to practice? What kind of verb tenses do I need to practice?、Mm. And then I would just be intentional to use those in my time with that individual. Maybe it was a friend, maybe it was somebody at a store that I'd only see for about five minutes.、Mm-hmm. Um, but in certain cases, I would play games, something like as silly as I Spy, but that's can be really helpful、oh. in <laughs> practicing vocabulary. Yeah, I bet.、Um, and, and especially. In thinking about okay, what kind of syntax or grammar do I need to practice? Using that to direct your conversation. So, if you want to practice past tense, you、mm-hmm. talk about what you did yesterday, or ask what they did yesterday. So you're practicing, produ- you're producing language, you're listening to to somebody else use that same tense, or you talk about the future. What are your future plans? Or what did you used to do、mm. when you were a child? Or where did you grow up? And what did what actions did you do? And,、mm-hmm. And so these types of things get at all different aspects of the language, and so there are different ways to be able to pull、yeah. that information out of a native speaker. That's very natural. That's not awkward, and that also allows you to build a deep friendship with somebody. And that certainly was the case during my time in Turkey. Yeah. So backing up to your your plans, developing plans for your growth.、Um, can you give us an example, more or less, of? Like、what what would a plan like that look like for? Would it be a plan for a week, for a day, and and what kind of things would you put on it? So I would set I would set at least a a weekly plan. Okay. And and often and and a lot of times I was I was doing these、uh, tutor classes with、uh, for a duration of one month, and so.、Mm-hmm. So my plan often had a monthly goal overall、mm-hmm. in what I was practicing. Sometimes it was a review of the classroom、uh, immersion class that I had、okay. at at、uh, yeah through the university, and so I spent a month then trying to practice that with a with a tutor. Okay, and so so I would have a goal, and then with the plan I would have a lesson plan for what I was going to do that day, and. The activities that we were going to do, how I was going to practice, and then within my plan itself, I would structure a lot of things into my week because my plan was not only just my time with the tutor, but it was all encompassing in, in my life. When you're trying to learn and acquire a language in the situation, you have to have a, a holistic plan in in how you go about doing that.、Mm-hmm. And so I would build in time to rest during the day.、Um, What time to go to bed? When to get up?、Mm-hmm. When? What kind of activities I can practice when I'm not with my tutor?、Mm-hmm. So、um, this class,、uh, Smarter German, advocates this、uh, activity called preaching, which is practicing different grammatical things that you're learning, just talking out loud to yourself, so you can sound like a total crazy person, but know that you're <laughs> actually making progress in the language. Right. And and having conversations with yourself, it sounds totally ridiculous, but it helps you find holes in your In your own vocabulary、mm. and to practice new grammar and that's great. And so those kinds of things are really helpful. Yeah, even building in like things like watching TV in the language、uh, or listening、yeah. to the radio in the language. Yeah. yeah, those kinds of things are really helpful. And I think one of the key things that I wasn't w- aware of, but a, my coach brought up to me was taking time to journal to reflect.、Mm. That was something that I hadn't done at, up to that point really. 
And and journaling was a very helpful way in order to do a number of different things in the language itself. Mm. And so it it helped me think about uh, the things that I was able to accomplish and build my motivation Mm. to say, oh, wow, I've made a whole bunch of progress this last month. And I can see that. So it was kind of encouraging. Yeah. It also helped me identify or make a plan and reflect on, hey, how'd the week go? How'd the day go? What are things that I need to change? Can I course correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, so help me gather the right content that I needed uh, for those specific lessons. Yeah. And then also help me plan for the future. Okay, so this didn't go well today. So how can I make a change so that next time we do this is actually more effective and useful? Yeah, it's a really good examples. So a typical day, what, what describe for us maybe a, an average day once you had the plan, your plans established, what would that, that look like more or less? How many hours involved and in, in doing what, you know, for each slot of time? Sure. Yeah, so it, I had two major uh, structures. The first um, one was that I would go to a class at, I believe it was at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. in the morning. And so I'd commute there and I'd be in the class till about 12.30 have lunch, mm-hmm. and then in the afternoon was homework time and, and, and production time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was nap time, depending on how things went, uh, because language learning really does have a way of exhausting you, totally oh, yeah. exhausting you, which yeah. was why I mentioned building in time of rest mm-hmm. into your schedule. Um, so the times where I had the energy, I would go out and I, I focused my time on coffee shops and cafes. I, I'm an avid coffee drinker mm-hmm. and... Um, and so I would just, I was able to build relationships with friends there and I would use this time to practice the things that I wanted to practice and Mm -hmm. also to do homework. Okay. And so, and then the evening often was rest or often TV time where I was kind of tired, but still wanted to do something in the language. So, so generally that was my structure, afternoon class or morning class, afternoon practice, rest in the evenings and on a monthly kind of um, tally, I would do at least 30 hours of language a week Okay. in this, in this situation. Wow. That's a lot. So it's a lot. Yeah. I was doing this literally full time and the rest of that time, the other, all those other hours was either rest or just trying to do administrative work or Mm -hmm. business planning or, Mm -hmm. you know, these kinds of other things that also needed to be done. Gotcha. So when you talk about homework, what were some of these assignments like? Yeah, often curriculums have uh, some kind of a grammar with grammatical explanation to a new concept, mm-hmm. uh, audio that you listen to for the specific lesson. And then in for practice, there would often be a workbook of some kind where there was there were exercises to practice a specific concept in the language, like, for example, using present tense and applying that concept to different verbs. Sometimes verb patterns change mm-hmm. for present tense or any any tense even okay in in and how that is spelt how that is said mm-hmm. and um and so practicing honing in on specific concepts and practicing them and then often there was almost always listening practice and that really was key if you can't clearly hear something you'll never be able to say it correctly and so yeah having exposure and a ton of exposure to the language is really key mm-hmm. for that so mm-hmm in language learning, there's always two dimensions, or there's sometimes two dimensions, the speaking and listening, and then the 
writing and reading. How much was dedicated to each of those in your learning experience? So in with Turkish, I practice on, I would call those four quadrants maybe um, okay. of, of different aspects. Uh, I guess it depends. My coach explained it to me that way in, okay. in how I've learned. Yeah. Um, reading and writing are related, but different aspects of the lang- of uh, being able to produce sure. or understand. But I would definitely spend my time on all four of those quadrants. The one that came the easiest was reading. The second would be listening. The third, writing. And the hardest by far is speaking. Right. And um, so generally... For most people, that's the order that it goes. And so if you want to get good at one particular thing, you have to spend time doing it. And so in my situation, I was trying to learn how to speak well in order to function in in life. Mm -hmm. And so I focused, I did focus a lot on my speaking. Mm -hmm. And, And so I was able to progress at that quite rapidly once I had a good strategy to do so. Cool. And so some of what that I've already said with my language learning plan. Right. And, um, so it's it's hard to say. I, I'd have to really look at my numbers to tell you X amount of hours dedicated to this. It wasn't quite twenty five percent across for each category, sure. but it was it was pretty close, mm-hmm. uh, pretty close to that. Okay, yeah, and uh, and then you know each language has a different orthography that may be more intuitive than others. <laughs> English is a nightmare and <laughs> French Absolutely. is French is a nightmare. And I think that the, the challenge for me with learning Fung was that it wasn't a written language. Somebody had done a new Testament and developed an alphabet, but that was it. And so it wasn't like a standardized way of writing that everyone used already. That since I'm a really visual person, I think that also was something that that made it more difficult for me uh, to not be able to connect the spoken word with a written word as as conveniently or easily. That's one of the challenges of working in languages that are uh, pioneer projects. You know, for writing it for the first time. So, this is there anything else we we haven't mentioned or that you haven't mentioned yet about? what you wanted to share, what you learned from the, the Turkish learning experience? Well, I think it would be helpful to share some recommendations yeah. even flowing from that based on, uh, f- based on, yeah, what I said for those who are serious about wanting to learn another language and how they should approach that. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be great. So I think the way to start in doing that is to first determine why you should learn that language. Mm. And so it might seem kind of trivial, but that will really help later on in finding that motivation to continue learning because that is a significant factor. And so are you, do you have to learn it for work? Do you like Russian history and you want to read it? Or mm. maybe it's for academics. You got to do a PhD and you want to study Latin or Greek or German or Chinese mm-hmm. in, in order to do academic research and to publish. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's for social reasons. You are living in a, a neighborhood with a lot of refugees and you want to learn to serve the refugee community. Or you move somewhere to a foreign context and you want to learn the language. Mm-hmm. And so highlighting those at the beginning are really important yeah. Yeah, for determining motivation. Yeah. Would that be something you'd encourage people to journal about, to have that written down and you know, meditate on it so they have that to look back on? 
Yeah, I think at the start of putting together a plan and thinking through things, I advocate journaling and, and writing something like that down because even the things that I'll, that will follow should, in some sense, be written down and coming through a plan, whether that's yeah, mm-hmm. how you, however you decide to reflect on those things, whether it maybe use social media for that or old school pen and paper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, however, however you go about doing it. But because following that, you really want to make a plan and set goals. And so you really do need to write those down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the following step in making a plan and setting goals, the next thing that you should do is is to find a good language coach. Mm-hmm. In, in going forward, yeah, there are a lot of different ways to learn a language, but if you're serious about learning a language, finding the right coach before your immersion experience is pretty critical. And I think, I think this would really apply to somebody who's moving to another uh, context, another culture, mm-hmm. and are are going to have to holistically learn a language in order to function. Yeah. I think a coach finding the right coach is essential. Mm-hmm. And and that coach can help get you some exposure to that language uh, before you move with your with your company and and help train you before you would go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's helpful to find a coach also that's committed to your learning for at least one year. Mm-hmm. So on the front end, they're willing to say, look, I'm going to train you, I'm going to provide you resources, and I'm going to be in there with you when things get really hard, because they will, mm-hmm. and, and they're going to be there to provide you the right resources at the right time. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not because learning a language in immersion or having these experiences is not simply learning how to say, how are you, and I'm fine, but learning how to communicate is more than just words. It's also body language. It's it's learning how to communicate mm-hmm. culturally, mm-hmm. and so and so a language coach, a good language coach, will help you do both. Great, yeah, that's and, great. Um, mm-hmm. And so a language coach as well should be somebody who can empathize with your frustrations. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not somebody who just sits back and says, "Okay, email sent. You got your plan for this week, and then kind of their job's done." Mm-hmm. But like the day to day life of uh, using the wrong word and getting laughed at mm. or having these experiences where culturally you just get so annoyed with things. You really want to be able to talk with somebody who has some ability to help you in those situations uh, to help you stay motivated for the test. To remind you, sure. you said in the beginning why you wanted to learn and mm-hmm. I'm helping you with doing that. And uh, so finding somebody like that Okay. It may be quite difficult, but it's definitely worth it. And there are people that can help you that way. Now, should this be somebody who's a native speaker of that language you're learning or does it matter? Uh, I don't think it matters. I definitely think that you need to be able to communicate pretty easily with this person. And so uh, just due to the nature of the way that you're being coached, both with them being able to understand where are you at in your language abilities, how can we get you the right comprehensible input at your stage? That does require mm-hmm. a pretty high level of language for a non-English, a non-native English speaker, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and but for somebody to understand your own culture as well. Right. And so a foreigner may not understand, or probably does not understand, your culture and your upbringing in the same way that another um, near culture person would. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of benefits to having that person from your own culture and speaks your native language. Gotcha. 
yeah, someone who's been through the same experience and and understands all of the trials involved. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question about that. Yeah, because they can on the front end before going, you know, they can teach you basic aspects of that culture that you're entering. Mm-hmm. They can teach you. Uh, the sounds of the language and how to produce them. I'm sure that was a significant challenge for you in going into your context mm-hmm. it, when you heard different pronunciations of of um, of yeah. language in your city, and uh, and that's a that's a pretty significant challenge. Yeah, um, and even the basic grammatical structure of the language. Imagine you went to a setting where you knew that okay, in order to communicate, I have to talk like Yoda. You know, <laughs> not with a subject verb object mm-hmm. uh, structure like English, but with the verb always being at the end, a subject object verb verb syntactical construction. Yeah, yeah. You know, these things these things can really help you, and uh, you can get really good training to uh, yeah. understand that, and then also to make the most of your time and the resources that you have. So, there's <laughs> some significant benefits to to that. So you're not wasting a lot of time. Yeah. Now, was you were you paying your language coach, uh, or was that something that was part of the company you're with? Is their job? Yeah. So I paid I paid for my language coach, uh, and I paid for my my tutor. Okay. And um, so that's the way that's the way I ended up going about it. Okay. And that's like per hour kind of thing. Yeah, it depends on the country that you're in, what is culturally appropriate. In some cases, a monthly salary or wage is appropriate for language tutors, but coaches working in North America are going to function differently and they'll have their own right. expectations and, and they, they should let you know what they are. Right. Uh, there's no silver bullet to learning a language fast. There's a lot of advertisements online. Oh, yeah. It doesn't take long to find those. Learn Spanish and, you know, eight weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, it's simply unrealistic. And yes, you may be able to have a basic conversation in six weeks mm-hmm. uh, or even less, potentially, a very basic conversation. But to develop fluency in the language takes a significant amount of time. Yeah. And and so you have to be ready to commit to the long haul. And as I mentioned earlier, potentially for a far language from English like Arabic or Chinese, Korean, Japanese, you're looking at about three or more years, I'd say, you know, three plus, mm-hmm. uh, somebody who's very committed to learning and spends a lot of hours learning, it's going to take that long to reach a, a pretty decent fluency where yeah. I would say you're not annoying in the language anymore. That's <laughs> how long it takes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is intense. It's a and big investment. I think the other aspect, oh, it, it is a very big investment. And another aspect I think is is to experiment. So there are a lot of different programs, even some of those short like, programs that I already mm-hmm. mentioned that have promised the sky and deliver something much lower yeah. instead. <laughs> um, that uh, it's, it is really helpful to experiment with different methods, especially if you don't know what your learning style is or what best suits you. Um, mm-hmm. find, using different resources will help you figure that out. Yeah. And, and also different resources will expose you to different aspects of the language. A curriculum is going to be pretty focused on building a set vocabulary and has a, a particular approach to teaching you progressive grammar. Um, and mm-hmm. as soon as you switch curriculums, uh, it's going to give you a different foundation because they're approaching it maybe a little differently. And so it'll mm. it'll broaden your exposure to the language as well. And um, and so whether that's a curriculum or using different apps uh, on their phone, there are a lot of great resources 
for language learning on the phone, especially if you're learning a, a very developed language with a lot of resources like German or Spanish or French. Um, yeah. Those European languages are really easy to get access to. And, yeah. uh, and, and media as well, changing your phone to that language you're trying to learn, maybe give yourself a couple months first or else you're going to be, maybe you find yourself in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, there are a lot of YouTube channels of uh, Germans and French people and Turks even who mm-hmm. speak at a street level language, the language that is normally used to communicate. That's not kind of your TV kind of language that is sound, sound like uh, very formal and stuck up very if you scripted. use on the street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so finding those materials on YouTube and reading the news are going to give you a well-rounded perspective on the language. And, yeah. and so that's one of the advantages of having a coach is that they can bring a lot of those things to you and say, mm-hmm. okay, don't spend your time on this. It's beyond your level, but really focus on, on doing this particular thing. So that can that's be a great. huge thing. Yeah. And have fun. That's probably the one of the biggest ones with motivation. Just have fun. You've got to remember why you wanted to learn that language and start using yeah. it in, in however you yeah. can and, and, and enjoy it. Yeah, totally. That's great. Yeah, thank you for that advice. And um, I hope that helps some people along the way who are listening. And I, I have used two particular resources that I found really helpful in um, in developing my skills in a language. And, and one of those is uh, a program in a website called The Link, L-I-N-G-Q. And oh. uh, it's pronounced Link. Okay. And it was put together by a polyglot named Steve Kaufman, or maybe hmm. Kaufman as the Americanized version. Hmm. And uh, if you search Steve Kaufman, K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N, or Link, mm-hmm. you can find his app and his, uh, he has a podcast website, he blogs, and he speaks about 20 languages. And mm. most of the languages he started learning Whoa. after age 50. And so he did this in retirement, wow. essentially. That's incredible. And, uh, it is very incredible. And so I followed him for some years now, and he's he's developed some great content uh, and language hmm. learning and his app particularly is designed with his learning abilities in mind. And so hmm. his, his focus is learning how to read and understand a language. And so hmm. he doesn't have a lot of exercises for practicing speaking. Uh, however, he's got really good comprehensible input. And so I've, I've used that quite a bit for for probably four or five different languages. And so I was, that's that's an app I've really enjoyed. There's a free version and a paid version of that. I had never heard of that. That's great. That's great. Yeah, that, that's been one that was really helpful. I have a, a second one too that I would recommend, mm-hmm. uh, and that is called Mango Languages. Mango as the fruit, Mango Languages. Okay. And a lot of people can get mm. access to it through their local library. A lot of libraries have subscriptions to this program. Oh, no way. And it is really fantastic because one of the th- the big advantage of this app in this program is that it gives you a lot of structured listening exercises. And so mm. a structured listening exercise is when you get a topic and then some basic information of that topic. And, wow. uh, and so you can listen to it and develop the skills to be able to understand that. But one of the key aspects with this is that it uses these structured listening exercises to help you produce speaking. And so it'll mm-hmm. give you a bunch of sentences and vocabulary, and then it'll say, okay, now how do you say, and then it'll give you a different, it'll request something different than they've already told you. So then at that point, you need to be able to produce, okay, 
um, this was the verb. I need to conjugate it this way. This was the noun. Maybe it needs to be conjugated that way. And these are the word, this is the word order. So it's teaching you mm. how to internalize the language and to practice using it with, with a native speaker. That's great. Wow. And so I, I've used that for a, yeah quite a few different languages. They have like pirate and uh, Shakespearean English. So it's got some ridiculous <laughs> things on there too for fun uh, that you can get a kick out of as well. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> pirate English. <laughs> I had no idea that was actually a course you could take. <laughs> well, you know, it goes something like, blow me down, ships be calm. And, you know, and what that means in pirate. So you can, <laughs> That is you can fantastic. I bet kids love that stuff oh yeah you uh, bet eat it up oh. it's a great way to get kids interested in learning a language too, <laughs> just having fun that's cool is there anything else that you would like to share that we haven't touched on i think the last thing i would share is that uh with this german language um experiment that i'm doing i'm i'm going to be doing a podcast talking about my experience and sharing mm. tips and tricks in acquiring this language mm. in real time. Oh, great. And so, and so I'm going to interview somebody from Lingo, a Lingoda and also from Smarter German and, and mm. talk about their design for the course, their things that they've learned and, and experiences from their students. And Great and then idea. also just about how I'm using my time, the strategies I'm using to acquire the language mm. and and talk about uh, my progress mm -hmm. and um, or lack of the progress maybe and how <laughs> I need to change. Wow. So, yeah. That's crazy. Very cool. Very cool. Well, great. Well, thanks again so much for joining us, for taking the time to share these things with, with everyone. So it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much, Andrew. I've really appreciated the content on your show. And uh, I hope that uh, what I've shared is helpful to people who are considering second language acquisition or even are working with expats and maybe need to empathize a little bit with their struggles. So yeah, <laughs> hopefully that's helpful. Absolutely. So as always, everyone, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others who might find it interesting or edifying. And, and if you would, please leave a review. That's a really great way to help keep the podcast going. And here at Working for the Word, we believe that the Bible is a unified, God-breathed, God-centered, hope-giving book, sweeter than honey and pointing to Jesus. 